This is the Summit League Podcast, an inside look at a league ascending in the world of college basketball, yet remaining one of its best-kept secrets. We'll showcase the league's men's and women's basketball stars on their journey to reach the summit and pursue the big dance. Now, here's your host of the Summit League Podcast, Matt Pocket. Here we go. It's tournament time in college basketball, and the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State are going dancing. Episode 5 of the Summit League podcast features a double dose of Jackrabbits. Skylar Flatten from the men's team, who threw down an alley-oop jam that highlighted Sports Center in the win over USD, and Ellie Thompson from the women's team that's back in the tournament for the third time in her career. They're both on the program here today, we recap the action from Sioux Falls as well with ESPN's Clay Matvick, and we check in with the boss, the big dog, Summit League Commissioner Tom Duple later on in the program. The Jackrabbits women's basketball team is plugged in as an eight seed, and they'll play against Villanova the nine in the NCAA tournament Friday at 630 Central in South Bend, Indiana. The men's team heads to Boise, Idaho as a 12 seed, the upset special, and they'll play against Ohio State, a 5 seed. That game is 3 p.m. on Thursday. Western Illinois and South Dakota have both qualified for the WNIT, too. That's a strange one. In a weird turn of events, they could play each other in round two. South Dakota takes on Houston at home at 7 p.m. on Thursday, while that same night, Western Illinois plays Colorado State on the road at 8 p.m. Now, originally... The Coyotes and the Leathernecks were paired to play each other. But you kind of can't do that, pairing teams up from the same conference. So poof, the committee switched them, and now they could play in the second round. No other conference foes in the entire WNIT bracket would theoretically meet until the third round. Whatever, I guess. Just a head-scratcher, friends, but... It is what it is. Looking forward to seeing those two good teams possibly slug it out again, but... Boy, I, I really would have liked to see that game possibly later on in the tournament. Men's basketball, Fort Wayne lost to Central Michigan 94-89 on Monday in the CIT, even though the Don shot 55% from the field in that game. Bryson Scott had 28 points on 11 of 15 shooting. That's a ridiculous line. Xavier Taylor went 8 of 10 for 20 points for the Dons. South Dakota plays tonight in the CBI. They face North Texas at 7 p.m. Fans, remember the Summit League continues into spring sports too. Follow along at the summitleague.org slash championships for baseball, softball, golf, and tennis which are all underway. A big shout out to Chris Nielsen of the USD Coyotes who finished runner-up in the pole vault at the NCAA championships too. Last thing before we get into the show... Wow, that was something else last week, wasn't it? Sioux Falls, South Dakota, celebrating a decade at the Falls in the Summit League, and what a week. Blizzards didn't matter. Nothing stopped you all from putting on an incredible show. They shut down the freeways, and you guys were just like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. We're going to the Denny Sanford Premier Center anyway. We packed the house. The women's basketball final had an unbelievable crowd. The men's game was incredible, too. That, my friends is what postseason basketball is all about. Thank you all for helping to put on such a great show at the Denny. All right, let's get to it. Skylar Flatten, the dunk king on Tourney Tuesday, number one on SportsCenter that night. He leads off the show. And then Ellie Thompson of the South Dakota State women's basketball program. ESPN's Clay Matvick bats third and hitting cleanup to close 
season one of the Summit League podcast. It's Summit League Commissioner Tom Duple. Skyler's ahead next on the Summit League podcast. In its fourth decade, the Summit League continues its ascent through excellence in the classroom and success in the field of play. In cities big and small, at public and private universities, students across league institutions reach for the summit. From academic All-Americans to NCAA champions and nationally ranked teams, Summit League student-athletes achieve the pinnacle of success. The Summit League, where tomorrow's leaders reach the summit today. Will your team reach the summit this season? The Summit League offers 19 sport championships, and you can get schedules, fan information, live stats, streaming, and more in one location at thesummitleague.org forward slash championships. Need the latest updates? Follow each championship as it plays out on social media via Twitter at Summit Champs. And now, back to Matt Pocket on the Summit League Podcast. One of the champions joining us here on the phone line, it's Skylar Flatten from the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Skylar, my friend, good to have you on. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How sweet was it for you to climb that ladder? Oh, man, that was uh, one of the best feelings ever in my life. Uh, it was fun to get in that W with my team, and yeah, I'm, I'm always going to cherish that moment. How did you wind up celebrating it over the last couple of days? Uh, really just laying low, just uh, relaxing, hanging with my friends, um, just, yeah, pretty much just laying low and just looking back on highlights and just uh, going through everything in my head. So, yeah, it's been it's been a good t- last two days. You're a South Dakota native. What does it mean for you to do it at home in oh. South Dakota against the other big school? Man, it means everything. I mean, being from here and uh, having all these great fans in South Dakota and just being known for a South Dakota guy is a, is a cool feeling. And uh, just doing it in front of everyone that's, South Dakota is a, is a great thing, I think, because, I mean, like, USD has a lot of fans, and uh, obviously we do too. We have the best fans in the world, I think, so it's just a really cool feeling to be from here. It's the third time in a row that the Jackrabbits have cut down nets in Sioux Falls. Compare each of these trips to the big dance. What do you remember about the first one and the second one? How do each of them compare to each other? Um, the first one, I was I was hurt and I was registering, so I mean it was it was right. a pretty cool experience. But this these last two have been uh, even more special to me, just being able to go, be a big contributor to to the uh, games and just uh, yeah. The second one against Gonzaga was really cool, um, getting a little taste of it, and then now I'm, I'm really I'm expecting uh, it to be that we we know we know what to, what to, what to expect going in. So I feel like uh, we have a good chance and just going in and make, making some noise. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. Skyler, with all the pageantry, all the hype, all the hoopla, you took number one because that alley-oop dunk that you stuffed home, that monster jam took number one on SportsCenter's top ten that night. How did you find out that you were the top play? Um, On the way back home, uh, actually one of Reed Tungusen's, uh, actually his brother, texted him and told him that, and I was like, no way, and there's no there's no chance. I didn't believe him at first. <laughs> so I go, on to, uh, I go on to Twitter, and uh, one of our – our media guys tweeted it out. I was like, "Oh wow, that's crazy!" I mean, it's, it's always a big dream as a kid being on Sports Center. I never knew that would happen to me, and uh, it's a very cool feeling, man. It was, it, was, it was really cool. Yeah, what's what's that like? That moment when when you do find out, "Wow, I'm on Sports yeah. Center." Yeah, I'm like, guys, I, I think I was number one on Sports Center, and they're like, "No way, let me see." And they didn't <laughs> believe me at first. I'm like, I didn't believe myself like saying it. So I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Just 
finding out and just, I was like, wow, it's a dream come true. I never really expected that, so it's really cool. The thing about the alley-oop is that it's not just you that's on SportsCenter either. It's Brandon Key. How good was that yeah. pass from him? Yeah, my boy Brandon, he throws a perfect pass every time. When we, when we practice that in practice, it's, it's always right on the money. So, I mean, uh, I've always expected it to be right where I want it, and yeah, Brandon did a great job of putting it there. So it was really cool for both of us to be on that. You've made a big habit, Skyler, of throwing down these mega dunks in games, and, and as a guy who doesn't have a ton of field goal attempts per game either, is this yep. something that's in the playbook, give it to Skyler for a couple of flushes every night, or does it just sort of happen and you guys see it and it all clicks? Uh, we usually have a, a play that's uh, called uh, for me. We just go with the flow, and uh, coach trusts me to tell him, like, hey, I see my guys uh, cheating a little bit. I can cut back door, and then we run that play, and it's it's worked every time so far this year. So it's pretty cool. Walk me through one of these alley oops, start to finish. Okay, well I, I'm the, I'm in the corner, and just uh, I usually try to make my man go to sleep on me a little bit. And then uh, we do a ball screen where Mike uh, he comes up the screen, uh, our point guard, and usually my guy helps on the on the on the pop from Mike. So that's when I pretend I'm going up, and I cut back door and. They throw it up, and I try to go get it. Did you feel that this was one of your better alley-oops, or were there a couple of others where you're like, man, I wish that was number one, too? Um, I had one against uh, USD that I thought was pretty cool because I had to like double pump it to, to get it because it was kind of a low one. But, uh, yeah, this one's probably my favorite because uh, at first I didn't know I was going to get it because Brandon threw it so high. And so I had to go up and get it, and I, I thought it was, it was pretty cool that, uh, that I had to try to – it was kind of harder for me to get this one, and I, I'm glad I made the play. Yeah, and, and I think part of it, too, was because he did throw it up so high, you really had to reach up and get it. And when you stuffed it, it was a monster. I mean, that was a rim rocker. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to I tried to catch it at first. And then, uh, yeah, I tried throwing it down as hard as I could. And, and yeah, that's pretty, pretty much what happened. Uh, what about the, uh, the post finish, right? When you're back on your way down the court, do you like to celebrate it a little bit? Uh, I mean, I know some different guys have some different things they like to do to celebrate a dunk like that. Yeah. Um, I kind of just came down and gave kind of like a, a mean mug kind of, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm emotional sometimes, but I'm not really a big emotional guy. So, I mean, you don't really do the airplane little, or anything like that. No, I didn't do one of them. Okay. Things, no, I just kind of gave a little mean mug to the camera and just ran back in defense and gave Brandon a high five. So the other big thing that happened that night, we've covered climbing the ladder, beating your rival, the dunk, but Bo Brown, because he took over Twitter with his fist pump during the tournament final. Have you seen that yet? Oh, yeah. I yeah. saw that for sure. I saw that. Uh, but yeah, Bo's a great dude, and he's so excited. He's he's, uh, he's for the team, always down for the team, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to have a guy like that on my team being so excited for one of us to make a good play. Skyler Flatton, South Dakota State. Is Bo always like that? You know what? He is. He's, uh, he's always going to be going to put a smile on your face and always going to be positive and Whenever one of us makes a play, he's the first person to uh, to celebrate. So, yeah, he's always like that. Skyler, you talked a minute ago about how the how good the fans are for the Jackrabbits. Now, the Summit League tournament's been really good for the Jacks at Sioux Falls Arena and at the Denny Sanford Premier Center. I've even mm-hmm. heard it called Frost Arena South by a couple of people. Do you guys feel that way about the support you get at the tournament? We definitely do. We, uh, we know we have some of the best fans in the world. So, I mean, going down there and having – thousands and thousands of Jackrabbit fans show up. It just means so much to us, and it's, uh, it's always a fun environment to play in. How special was it to get it done on the same day as the women's team, too? That's so cool. I mean, I think I think we did it before one time, I think. 
but yeah, but it was it was so cool doing it with uh, with them, like especially against the same team too, like, against the same three teams actually in the tournament. I mean, it's a it's a pretty ironic thing to happen, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting for our fan base and for the community and for us athletes. So yeah, it's, it's student athletes, so it's good. And that's a really good program with a long history of success itself. Uh, do your two teams kind of feed off each other? How close are those teams? Uh, we we I, I say we do. I mean, we're not in competition with each other at all. We always support each other, but it's it's a cool thing that we both have such great programs and we both have a winning winning resume. So it's it's a really cool feeling for both of us. Skyler Flat in South Dakota State, the Summit League champions. Now to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we're talking a couple of days before the bracket comes out here, so this is going to be a little interesting when this airs. This is going to be a couple of days after Selection Sunday. So uh, it's the Jacks' fifth trip to the dance. Last season getting in as a 16 against Gonzaga, giving Maryland a run as the 12 seed a year before to losing by five. What did those experiences in the NCAA tournament teach you to help you prep for this trip to the dance? Uh, it teaches you to, uh, to show up and take every team that we play against the, the same way and just play as hard as we can and just uh, – just go out there and have fun. Enjoy the moments. Take it all in and just, uh, yeah, go out there and just play as hard as you can for your, your school and for your friends and family, and especially your teammates and coaches. So, You guys have a few things that give yourselves a nice recipe for success. You've got the big highlight machine in Dom, the guy who grabs all the headlines with all the scoring, and he's a double-double machine. And yep. There's you. I mean, you're a guy who can who can show up and have big nights, too, and big impacts on games uh, in those moments. You, and then you've got a guy, too, in, in David Jenkins Jr., the freshman, a guy who, who comes out on campus this season, and he's had a tremendous year. He's he's a guy that you look at as maybe a future league MVP. What do you guys think about that dynamic in the locker room? And then, too, I guess kind of looking down the road a little bit with some of these young guys. Yeah, we uh, we all believe in each other. We all have tremendous confidence in each other. And uh, yeah, any, any one of us on a given night can step up. So that's the crazy thing about our team that – I mean, we, even though great, uh, how great Mike is, we uh, we all can step up in our in our own ways. So I mean, it's, it's so fun to see our team come together like that. Uh, I think we're a really dangerous team when it comes to when it comes to March. So yeah, and a couple of other really good players too. I mean, yourself again, Tevin King, Brandon Key throwing up those passes. Ian Tyson. I mean, it's a deep Jackrabbits team over here. Now selection Sunday again. In a couple of days when this airs, this is going to be really interesting to look back on, but have you guys heard anything about where you might be or who you might play? Obviously, things still shifting at this point. Have you guys heard anything? Um, we don't really uh, pay attention to that that much, but, uh, I mean, we've seen like anywhere from a 12 to a 13 uh, seed. Just, um, yeah, we don't really – we just we just take uh, one day at a time, and uh, whoever we match up with, we'll take it as any, any other opponent and uh, – play as hard as we can so I mean we don't really get lost in that hype too much but yeah it's, it's, it's kind of fun to look at just to mess around and look at have you guys talked about the last couple of trips to the NCAA tournament over the last few days or are you just looking ahead to to this year in and of itself I mean we, we look back a little bit this uh this experience wise but we always uh take it one day at a time and uh we uh looking forward here we just we kind of don't really pay attention to all the outside noise from the last year we try to pay attention to this this year and just go ahead with that so Skylar Flatten number one on Sports Center, Summit League champion and now back in the NCAA tournament Skylar how sweet would it be to have another one of those rim rockers in the NCAA tournament and, and to win there too 
Oh man, that'd be very cool for me and uh, our my uh, our team. It's just a uh, be really cool, man. Just uh, if I if I get one, if I don't, all I, all I want to do is win. So that's how all of us mindsets are. All right, Skyler Flatten of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, the Summit League champions. Congratulations again, my friend. Looking forward to seeing you in the big dance here in a couple of days. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, we'll be back in a moment with Ellie Thompson, also of SDSU, in a moment right here on the Summit League podcast. In its fourth decade, the Summit League continues its ascent through excellence in the classroom and success in the field of play. In cities big and small, at public and private universities, students across league institutions reach for the summit. From academic All-Americans to NCAA champions and nationally ranked teams, Summit League student-athletes achieve the pinnacle of success. The Summit League, where tomorrow's leaders reach the summit today. Get the latest news on all 19 Summit League sports at thesummitleague.org. Watch championships, access the Leeds ESPN3 events, view up-to-date standing statistics, and more, all at the home for Summit League athletics. Follow the league's social media pages on Twitter, at the Summit League, and on Facebook and Instagram, at forward slash the Summit League. Now, let's get back to Matt Pocket and the Summit League podcast. All right, welcome back here on our fifth and final episode of the season. Now on the phone lines, it's Ellie Thompson from the champion South Dakota State Jackrabbits. <laughs> Ellie, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. First off, let's go back in time, Ellie, to last Tuesday. Summit okay. League tournament title on the line yes. against South Dakota, and the Jacks win 65-50. Mm-hmm. to 50. You jumped on the Coyotes early with that huge run and never let up. Yeah. Was that something you expected? Yeah. I don't think it was something that we expected at all. I think we expected a really good game and a really close game. And I think when we kind of jumped out to that lead, we kind of all just like took a deep breath and relaxed. And we're like, okay, we're okay. And we also didn't beat the Coyotes during the regular season. So I think there was some even higher nerves going into that. And then it's a championship game. It's a rivalry game. Um, So there's a lot of stress, a lot of nerves going into that. But I think that we did a really good job of handling ourselves emotionally and kind of using that as an edge instead of something that would get us frazzled. Ellie, the Coyotes made some runs in that game too, but you guys held on well, kind of reminiscent of that regular season championship game when the Yotes had that fourth quarter comeback playoff time. It seemed like you were determined to not let that happen again. How much did that second game affect you for the Summit League title game? Yeah, there was a little bit of deja vu going into the fourth quarter because in, in in the championship game, because in the second time we played them, they did have a run. They had a comeback. And so when we were going into the fourth quarter, we made sure we, we told each other, like, this is not over. We're not okay. We need to still play, like, it's 0-0. Like, they're going to go on runs. We're going to go on runs. We can't let that distract us or affect our game at all. And I think that we did a really good job. They got within five at one point, and I think that we did a really good job of not getting frazzled over their runs and making pushes of ourselves and taking care of the ball for ourselves. So I think that we did a very good job of doing that as well. A terrific crowd too. What was oh, it like playing incredible. in that? Yeah. What was it like playing in that building so close to home court for, well, for yeah. both teams really? Yeah. It's just a real experience and I have a little bit of stage fright, So I tried to not look up at all. I just tried to focus on the game, but 
I have some a couple of my teammates were like, this was the best experience, and they just love like <laughs> being on the bench and looking around and seeing everybody cheering for you. And it's such a humbling experience too, like having all those people come up and support you and our team and just the SDSU support is incredible and it's truly a one of a one of a kind place. And then on top of that, having it be a rivalry game got even more fans out there. So I just want to say thank you to all the fans that came. It makes it truly a one once in a lifetime experience. Something I just asked Skylar Flatten a little while ago, but I've heard the Premier Center called Frost Arena South by more than a few people because it's so tough to beat the Jackrabbits in both buildings and the fans travel so well. Is that how you feel about it? Well, I've never heard that, but I definitely would agree (laughs) with that. I think we have a crazy amount of support, and having it be so close to Brookings, that kind of all the Jackrabbit fans come out of the woodwork for the Summit League tournament. And even when we go to other places, like – that are kind of nearby, like when we go to Omaha and stuff like that, we still get a ton of fans. And so I don't think it's just the Denny Premier Center, but I think that it's just a testament to our fans in general that they're willing to come out and support the Jackrabbits no matter what. Ellie Thompson, South Dakota State Summit League champions heading to the NCAA tournament. You're a really well-balanced team. Lots of good outside shooters, a tremendous inside Mm -hmm. game too. And then there's Macy Miller, who's kind of the link between all of those aspects. A good mid-range jump shooter, a terrific mm-hmm. passer, too. How important is it to, to be able to link those two aspects of the game together? Yeah, well, I think that Macy is just such a well-rounded player. Like, you can take away her three-point shot, she'll get past you. You can take away that, she'll hit a three on you. And then you try to take away both, she can just pull it up, and she's so consistent from that. And I think that having people that can do that on your team just opens up so many other looks for you. And I think that our team also does a great job of doing some inside outside action. So we have people who can score in the post. And then if people try to double or anything, we got people who we can take it out to and shoot it. And I think that's super important. And as much as like we rely on Macy, um, we also have so many other people that can score and take over in games like Maddie Gebert, um, Maya Selland are all have we have so many people that have been known to just take over in a game. Um, Macy's obviously very consistent, but it's nice to have um, different players that we can rely on in in times when it comes down to close games and stuff like that. And everybody's multifaceted on the team, right? Your post players mm-hmm. are able to pass very well. Your guards are able to get to the rim. We've seen Maddie Gebert get to the rim uh, at mm-hmm. times and do well down there. This is a well-balanced team. So, again, being able to blend the inside game with the outside game. And you've got a couple of really good mid-range shooters, and that's something that I think is mm-hmm. kind of disappearing from basketball at times, that mid-range yeah. game. Right, and I think Macy and Maddie, um, even Tylee Irwin, they have great mid-range game. And I think we also have a, a good amount of guards that post up too. Like Macy can post up smaller guards on the on the on the block, and we have other guards that do that. And so just having that kind of stretch position and being able to get the defense out of their comfort zone in many different ways is something that we really try to thrive on, and we really practice um, during our workouts. Ellie Thompson, South Dakota State, back into the NCAA tournament for the third time in your four years here at South Dakota State. What does this one mean to you this year as a senior? Well, I think it's I think it's even more special being a senior, just knowing that it's my last opportunity to have this. And um, I think that just having the team that we have right now and um, being together as this family is, is making it even more special. 
Um, the Summer League Tournament was such an amazing experience for all of us and all the Jackrabbit fans, and I just look forward to hopefully making a run in the tournament, and we have high expectations and high hopes for ourselves, so we hope that we can bring the Jackrabbit community along and kind of get some get some good wins in the tournament. There was talk about the Jackrabbits earning an at-large bid if you didn't win the conference tournament. What did you think about being in that conversation late in the regular season? You know, it was hard because there's no guarantees, obviously. And right. it, it's cool that we have that um, the RPI high enough to do that. But I think that we got to the point where we we're like, we don't even want this to be a thought in our heads because we want to get into the tournament no matter what. We want to get an automatic bid instead of an outright bid. And it's cool that the Summit League has um, a high enough competition where that is a point of conversation. And I think that is a testament to all the teams in the Summit League and then the Jackrabs um, as a community as well. And I think that it's really cool and really uh, unique experience to be able to even consider that. But I think even when we were going into the tournament, we didn't want to have that as a backup plan and, that really kind of motivated us to make sure, like, we wanted to be 100% in and not even have to worry about it. Ellie Thompson, South Dakota State. Do you think a lot of that, too, comes from being such a dominant team over the last decade and making the tournament as much as this program has, that, that now teams can look at you or the committee can look at you and say, that team deserves respect? Yeah, I think that that's a little bit to do with it. And I also think that having a... Um, winning culture at SDSU has helped us kind of keep up the mentality that we're going to be a good team, and it helps in off-season workouts and every day at practice. Like, we have a standard that we need to uphold. And even when I was a freshman, the seniors taught me so much about the SDSU culture and what it means to be a jackrabbit. And so I think that continuing on the upward path just as a um, university as a whole and a women's basketball program I think it has more to do with it than just the accomplishments. And I think that the trend we have of making it to the NCAA tournament kind of gets us, um, we're confident that we we have the abilities and the opportunities and we are able to do that. And even my sophomore year, a couple years ago, we were one point shy of making it to the Sweet 16. And we talk about that all the time because we know that we are able to compete at that level and to play with those teams. And we think we believe in ourselves enough that we think that we can make a good run in the NCAA tournament. So I think it's more of the confidence that it instills in ourselves and the, the ability that we are able to play with those teams, um, if that makes sense. Ellie, the Jacks played Louisville at home earlier this season in a really close game, beat NC State back mm-hmm. in November. Of course, battles with a really good South Dakota team and a really good Western Illinois team that, that the mm-hmm. Jackrabbits cleaned up this season. How does that prepare you for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, so we were actually watching the Louisville and NC State played each other in their tournament. We were watching the game before, and it was just crazy seeing those teams play against each other at such a high level and knowing that we either lost only by a couple baskets, a couple possessions, or we beat those teams. That gives us so much confidence going into the tournament, like knowing that we can compete at that level. And then also being able to handle teams during uh, the conference season was a huge um, was a huge confidence booster for our team as we, as we were finishing up the regular season as well and even in the tournament. 
you've been a good offensive team all year, but when the calendar flipped to 2018, the Jacks kicked mm-hmm. it into another gear. You've been held under 70 points just three times, two of those by USD, who's really good defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What happened? How did the offensive output skyrocket like that, almost, again, as the calendar turned? Yeah, I think that we kind of like just had a little bit more freedom offensively, and I think that we really became more balanced when we went into the conference season and the second half of the regular season. I think that we didn't try to have one player score the most points, but we just got um, really balanced looks throughout, which I thought really helped us. And then our defense, as always, we're a very defensive-minded team, and so when we work so hard on defense, like it often translates into our offense too, um, just being so focused on that and then knowing how to read good defenses and how to um, kind of score and execute against good defenses is something that has really helped us, I think, towards the end of this season. Ellie Thompson, South Dakota State Summit League champions here on the Summit League podcast. Now we're talking a couple of hours before the selection show on Monday. Mm-hmm. By the time this airs, you're already going to know. So this is an interesting time capsule <laughs> that we can go back and look at uh, by the time it yeah. airs. Have you heard anything about where you might end up or what seed you, you know, might be in a couple of hours? Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. I've had a lot of people ask, and it's just you can look at the predictions, but it's not very often that they're completely accurate. So I've been trying to just like just go one hour at a time, and we'll see each team um, – It'll be a really fun experience no matter where we get placed, and I think that no matter what seed we get, no matter who we play, we're going to go in with a winning mentality and kind of hope to play our best basketball and give it our best shot. How do you feel in the build-up to the selection show? Are you nervous, excited? What's going on with you? I think it's mostly excitement. The, The guys got their selection show yesterday, and it was really exciting to see where they're playing, and it's just like knowing that your name's going to pop up on that board is is um, just this crazy experience, and it's something that I've had the pleasure of being able to witness for two of the years that I've I've been here, and I think it's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of buzz around Brookings and a ton of support from the community. Winning a game for a second year in a row, what would that do for the Jackrabbits program? You know, I think that it would give us a lot of confidence um, in our abilities as a program, and Obviously, it would be great for recruiting, and it's great for the university, but I think it's really a testament to our team and how hard we have worked and just, like, the mindset that we have. There's, um, I think we're really unique that we're a mid-major, that we know that we can compete with those um, top-level teams just from our past experiences, and um, I think that it would be a huge confidence booster and a huge, huge win for the university and the Jackrabbit community in general. Ellie Thompson, South Dakota State, looking back on it all, when you came into this program as a freshman, how does reality, how it's all played out, how does that stack up with how Mm -hmm. things have actually gone versus your expectations again in your time at SDSU? Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations when I came here, I don't think. Um, I've been so, so blessed to be a a contributor all four years that I've been here. And I don't even think that when I was a kid, I didn't even dream about going to the NCAA tournament. So it's such a surreal and crazy experience. And I feel so blessed to be surrounded by all this, all these great teammates in this community. And it's truly the best experience that I could have asked for. And um, there's not many people that get to say that 
they've been to the NCAA tournament. There's not many people that can say they won their conference tournament. And there's not many people that can say that they have even won a game in the NCAA tournament. So to be able to say all these things and be a part of such a successful team is such is very humbling. And I just cannot express enough how great of an experience I've had these past four years here. You have done each and every one of those things. You've done a couple of them <laughs> three times now. Ellie Thompson, yeah. three times Summit League champion, <laughs> three times in the NCAA tournament, one time mm-hmm. a game winner in the NCAA tournament, and hoping to get another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the hope, that's the plan, and we're confident in ourselves and our abilities, and I think that we – we have a really good shot no matter who we get matched up again. All right. Thanks for doing this. Uh, good to have you on, yeah. and we're looking forward to seeing where you end up. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking with me. All right. That's Ellie Thompson of South Dakota State. We'll be right back with Clay Matvick from ESPN here on the Summit League podcast. In its fourth decade, the Summit League continues its ascent through excellence in the classroom and success in the field of play. In cities big and small, at public and private universities, students across league institutions reach for the summit. From academic All-Americans to NCAA champions and nationally ranked teams, Summit League student-athletes achieve the pinnacle of success. The Summit League, where tomorrow's leaders reach the summit today. Will your team reach the summit this season? The Summit League offers 19 sport championships, and you can get schedules, fan information, live stats, streaming, and more in one location at thesummitleague.org forward slash championships. Need the latest updates? Follow each championship as it plays out on social media via Twitter at Summit Champs. And now, back to Matt Pocket on the Summit League Podcast. All right, now on the phone line, Clay Matvick of ESPN, the man on the mic for both of the Summit League championship games. Clay, first off, let's start with the men's game, 97-87, South Dakota State knocking off the USD Coyotes in the men's title game. And what a game, I mean, in front of an incredible house, and uh, that must have been fun to, to call a game in over at the Premier Center. It's always fun to be in Sioux Falls. I love that tournament. Uh, it's been a part of it now since 2012, getting to call those games, and uh, I look forward to it every year. This one didn't disappoint. Um, with South Dakota and South Dakota State being in both the men's and women's finals, uh, it made for a special weekend and a special Monday and Tuesday in Sioux Falls. Uh, you know, I I heard it said, I even brought it up on the air, that people were calling it the biggest sports day in the history of the state of South Dakota. And I, you know, I was thinking, okay, let's not, let's not get over our skis here. But then, you know, the more you think about it, well, what, what would rival it? And we really couldn't come up with anything. I mean, you could maybe argue that the sky Force CBA championships were big deals there and, and they are, and that, that's not to poo poo those, but I mean, the, the, this was the state schools in South Dakota that have, been rivals going back to the 1800s, yeah. playing for an NCAA tournament berth. They'd met, you know, well over 200 times prior to last night in the men's series, and this was the first time that an NCAA bid was at stake. So, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of felt that that was uh, worthy of that statement. And you know, it was it was a good game. I, I think South Dakota, the men now, uh, the, the South Dakota missed an opportunity because they had Mike Dom in foul trouble early, and the player of the years on the bench played only seven minutes in the first half. And USD kind of you know they 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 kind of swung and you know he had a foul tip 
Um, they could have really put South Dakota State in a tough spot, and they didn't. And you know, you got to credit uh, David Jenkins Jr. for carrying the yep. team on his back in that first half when when South Dakota State needed a lift. And the Jackrabbits, uh, it's still their tournament, at least on the men's side. And then you could talk on the women's side too. I mean, the fans come out. Uh, for both programs, and, and, you know, the Summit League gets great attendance across the board, but South Dakota State is special. Their fan base is special, and the Denny Sanford Premier Center becomes Frost Arena South in March. Yeah. It really does, and, and that, was, that was the situation again last night. The Jacks get that crowd involved especially on the in the women's game. I mean, they jump out to that 11 to nothing lead and and it you know, it's the knockout blow before, you know, the media timeout. And you know, the the, the tournament is going to run through South Dakota State at least for the foreseeable future of both the men and the women. Still with the men's game here with Clay Matvick, you mentioned David Jenkins Jr. He was terrific and he's just a freshman. I I think we tend to get hyper focused sometimes on Dom's upside because he's the big deal. But what about yeah. Jenkins? I mean, he could be the next big thing in the conference. Maybe a Lawrence Alexander type at North Dakota State, a really good freshman guard who could be a league MVP someday. What do you think about his yeah. upside? No, I think that's fair. Uh, Mike Dunn is carrying the torch right now for that program, um, but it seems like David Jenkins is waiting in the wings. And, and, and if Dom comes back, which I think he will, that's my personal opinion. Um, I have nothing – Nothing more than that. I haven't heard anything, but I, my my guess is he will come back for a senior year at South Dakota State, and then you've got both of those guys on the same floor again next year, which is going to be incredible. But I, I do think that David Jenkins is going to carry that torch for this program beyond Dom. Um, he'll be the next great star there. He's certainly uh, showing signs that he is ready to handle that. He had the one for ten shooting night in the quarterfinals. And I think he ended up with three points in that game. But then the second game comes back and goes off for 24 or 26 or whatever it was. And it it, it seemed like he took that quarterfinal disappointment personally. And that's the sign of a good player. Um, You know, didn't mope, didn't let it ruin his tournament. No, it lit a fire under him. And especially last night, you could argue that without David Jenkins, South Dakota State gets beat because Mooney was mooning. He got his 30 points like he always seems to do against South Dakota State. And there was a point there in the second half where South Dakota had shrunk that 20-point lead for South Dakota State down to six. And, you know, maybe the Coyotes were ready to pull it off, but, you know, they, they... South Dakota State was able to pump the brakes and, 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 and pull away at the end. But David Jenkins, I think he was the real conduit last night. Dom was good. But you got to remember, he spent most of the first half on the bench. And without Jenkins, I don't think the Jacks won it. Yeah, I want to get to Dom's long-term prospects here in a moment. But first off, you mentioned a guy that I really want to highlight. Matt Mooney with his 30 points. And, and you've got to feel for the dude. And, and this is the part of this time of year that – you kind of hate a little bit because the camera focuses on him after he subs out of the game for the final time, and he's in tears on the bench, and that was heart-wrenching. Yeah. And his quote after the game, I want to get to that quote here. Uh, quote, to coyotes, to coyote fans, 
it doesn't help, but I'm sorry. I played really bad. I'm really sorry we didn't come through. Matt Mooney scored no. 30 points with seven rebounds, four assists, and two steals in 38 minutes. That man needs to get a standing ovation next time he's on campus. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I, he did not play bad. He was he was uh, good. I, thought, I think there were I think there were certain stretches where he didn't have his A stuff. And I thought that, that that moment in the first half where he got frustrated and kind of slammed the ball down and wore it on his sleeve um, proved to everybody in the building and I think to the South Dakota State players that, uh-oh, um, they've gotten under Mooney's skin a bit. And, and I, I think for – and he's an emotional guy. and yeah. that, That's what makes him great, too. But, but also he wears it on his sleeve a little bit too much. And when, when it was apparent to the South Dakota State players that they'd gotten under Mooney's skin, it was advantage jacks. Um, and I think that carried through for the rest of the first half. Clay, and, that coinc- oh, sorry. and that coincidentally is when uh, Dom was on the bench and they should have been taking advantage of it, and they weren't. But uh, Mooney's going to be a great, great player for another year at South Dakota. And, again, I, it's just unfortunate. They didn't. They had a great opportunity, and they weren't able to take advantage of it. Clay, uh, he'll be back next year, like you said. Do you think USD will at this level? Be back to the championship game? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I they, they've certainly got a lot of the pieces coming back. Now, the question is, is, is the head coach going to be coming back? I mean, there's some rumors circulating that, you know, he's ready to jump to the next big thing. And, and, and he's certainly a very good coach, um, and he's done some great things with a program that wasn't really on the map until, you know, the last few years. Um, you know, I've heard some things that maybe Colorado State would be a good fit for him, and that's a possibility. Um, so if, if he stays, and with Mooney coming back uh, to, to kind of guide the train, why, why couldn't the Coyotes be back in the situation next year? What's the Jackrabbits dancing future like this season? Well, you know, I wouldn't want to play him. <laughs> you know, you got, you know <laughs> yeah. Dom is going to be a tough matchup for any team in, in, in any circumstance because you've got a, a short amount of time to prep for a stretch four that just is a really hard matchup. A 6'10", 250-pound guy who can do great things around the basket, can take you off the dribble, but can also hit from three-point range. He is, he's, he's a, a three-way threat, a triple threat. He scores inside. He scores outside. He rebounds. And then, you know, throw on top of the fact that he's an 82% free-throw shooter. So uh, if you start hacking at him, um, he's going to burn you at the line. So I, I think he's a really tough matchup. And it all depends on how the cards fall in that first round and who they get and where they go. And i, I got to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to play South Dakota State. Clay Matvick, ESPN. We'll move on to the women's game here in just a moment. Uh, one thing that you guys said on the broadcast last night, his touch is phenomenal. His shooting touch mm-hmm. is unbelievable. What do you think his long-term future is in the game of basketball? Oh, it's going to be... It's going to be extensive. I think, you know, Sean Harrington, I think he may have said it on the air. If, if he didn't, he said it to me a couple of times, I know this weekend, off the air, um, that he could play for sure 15 years in Europe. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's that gifted. But now the question is for the people on, on this side of the pond, you know, what, what, what are his NBA prospects? Well, I think he'll be drafted, whether it's this year um, or, or if he decides to stick around and, you know, it's, it's somewhere down the line. But um, I think physically he needs to develop his body a little bit more. I, I, I wouldn't say right now he's got an NBA physique. I, I think he's got an NBA frame. 
I think he needs to uh, work on the muscle and, and some of the strength and some of the quickness aspects of his game that would make him an NBA player and would make him stick around in the NBA. Again, my opinion, I, it, you know, nothing else to base it on as far as talking to scouts or anything, but I, I think that's probably something that they're looking at. 11,114 in attendance for the men's yep. game last night. That was a new Summit League tournament record. 8,704 in attendance at the Denny Sanford Premier Center for the women's championship game, which is the most in the country right now as the Jacks beat USD 65-50. to 50. They jumped out to an early lead, maintained despite some coyote runs. How much do you think, Clay, that that previous matchup prepared the Jacks for this game, having given away the second game in the fourth quarter? Well, it's certainly that there's aspects of that game that they drew from. I, I just, I felt, in, in, in my opinion, that that game for South Dakota was out of reach after the first quarter. It just, it really never felt like they were going to win the game, in my opinion, because South Dakota State just came out and laid a haymaker on South Dakota, and uh, Macy Miller is just so good. Yeah. And then when when you think you've got her figured out and you're able to slow her down a little bit Madison Gebert is able to knock down shots and they've got they've got Selland who has played an incredible year as a freshman and it just seems like Aaron Johnston has a quiet confidence that he instills in his players year after year after year that makes them so hard to beat uh, they were the team to beat in this tournament again this year they have been for a decade it it feels like it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future. Um, it's it's the Jack Rabbits tournament on the women's side every year, and I, and that is another team that is going to be a tough out in the women's NCAA tournament. No one's going to want to play them in the first round. Either. Clay Madvick, ESPN, the man on the mic for both Summit League championship games. It's easy to throw all the attention at the Jack Rabbits right now, but on the other side of the coin, that's a crushing blow for USD after the tremendous yeah. run that the Coyotes had. Can you put it into context? We're speaking a day out from that tournament game. Can you contextualize that at this point? For for the women, I, yeah, you know, to go fourteen and zero in any league, I, I, regardless of sport, you know, to go undefeated in your league is quite an accomplishment because you're you're, you're talking about the grind of a season. You're talking about dealing with injuries. You're talking about, um, you know, the the ebbs and flows of personality. You're talking about dealing with school. You're talking about 19, 20, 21-year-old personalities that sometimes go through ups and downs. And it's really hard to maintain excellence. Uh, South Dakota did that. And then to not be able to drive the final nail is really depressing, I'm sure. Now what they've got to do is regroup and and get something done in the postseason, whether it be the WNIT or what have you. And uh, Don Plitzoid has done a great job. I, I, I feel that South Dakota has a really good thing in her. Now, how long they can keep a rising star like that is, you know, who, anybody's guess. But she's got a great personality. She, she's doing it the right way there. And South Dakota is a very good program in very good hands right now. But at some point, Kind of like we were talking on the men's side. They're going to have to slay the beast. 
And, uh, again, Brookings is where it starts and stops right now with the Summit League in women's basketball. So they've got to they've beat South Dakota State at some point. They had a great opportunity this year. It just didn't happen. There was talk for a while about the Summit earning two bids in women's basketball to the NCAA yeah. tournament, but that was under the assumption that USD was going to run the table and the Jacks right. were going to get in as an at-large. What about now, and again, we're, yeah. we're talking a few days before the bracket comes out, SDSU is on top again, and now it's the Yotes possibly on the outside looking in. What do you think their chances are? I, I, well, based on the RPI, I, I would say it's not very good because the RPI last I checked was in the, the mid to upper 60s, and that's just not going to get get it done. It's going to leave you not even on the bubble, I would say, but definitely on the outside looking in. And, and you know, like you said, South Dakota State would have been in a different situation because their RPI is in the 30s. Um, not that USD didn't play a tough schedule, but it just wasn't tough enough, and they didn't get enough wins. They didn't pull any major upsets in the non-conference slate. You know, won a really good league, but it's a mid-major league. Now, if this, you know, if this were a Power Five, it'd be a different story. They just not enough quality wins to put their RPI or to put their resume in contention for an at-large. Unfortunately. Now, with a really good team like USD and a long-term power in SDSU, how do you think the perception of the Summit is changing around college basketball? I mean, this is this is kind of like a Gonzaga on the men's side where they're so ultra-dominant yeah. that they get consideration yeah. no matter what almost. At least somebody's talking about them even if they don't win their league. Well, yeah, if we're even talking about this potentially being a two-bid league, I think it puts it into perspective where the Summit League is at. Um, you know, the, the word has been out on South Dakota State for many years. I and mean, this is going to be their eighth NCAA tournament. They've only been playing Division One basketball since 2004. Um, so everybody knows about South Dakota State. They've got a coach that's been there for the better part of two decades. Um, they, the book is out on the Jackrabbits, what they bring, how hard they play, how scary they are. Um, you know, they beat Miami here a five seed a couple of years ago and nearly beat Stanford. So uh, in that in that same tournament, uh, everybody knows that you cannot sleep on South Dakota State. And on an extension of that, the Summit League. And if, if, if everyone knows that if, if, if South Dakota State didn't win the league, South Dakota must be pretty darn good going 14-0 and because the Jackrabbits have been good for a long time. Western Illinois knocked off Stanford this year, too, in the regular season. What does that do for the league? I think that does a, that's great. I mean, anytime a, a mid-major knocks up a Power 5, it makes news. I don't care what sport yeah. it's in. And so the Summit League is going great guns right now. And I, to me, you know, I think IUPUI is, was a great program, uh, you know, terrific institution, but Losing IUPUI and gaining North Dakota um, this coming fall is a huge win for Summit League athletics, in my opinion, because the trade-off is is a plus, in my opinion. Um, geographically, it's a good fit. You bring back these old rivalries that you know harken back to the old days of the NCC, the North Central Conference in Division Two, and, and North Dakota, North Dakota State, and the other Dakota schools. They all should be in the same league, not just for geographical purposes and for ease of travel, but because of those rivalries that date back, you know, over a hundred years. So I, I think the league is going uh, great guns. 
It's going to be a mid-major power in both men's and women's basketball for a long time. And North Dakota coming in uh, is is great for the league. And I think there are going to be a lot of these upsets in the future on the women's side and on the men's side. Omaha is not all that far away either, a little bit under three hours from Sioux Falls. So it's continuing to build that stable geographic base of fans to pull from. And they pulled really well when they made that deep run last year too. Uh, yeah. at the Summit League tournament. Uh, I, and like you said, I'm a fan of it. I, re- I remember when I started covering the league, you had teams at Oakland, North Dakota State, Centenary, Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. Missouri-Kansas City, and then Southern Utah all the way out in the West. It was this enormous geographic spread. Now you've started yeah. to consolidate around this tournament, and the teams that, that are still in this league are teams that absolutely want to be here. They know how good a yeah. product this is. We see the attendance records being set. That's a tremendous place to go see a basketball game, and I think everybody knows it now. Well, yeah. Before, the, the geographical footprint of the Summit League was was like it was shot out of a a gun. Yeah, you know, it, it was kind unbelievable. Of splattered against the map. Now the the spine of it is I twenty nine. Yeah, you know, running from what will be Grand Forks, North Dakota, down to essentially Tulsa. Um, so it it is really a a, a tight knit tournament now uh, because the footprint is 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 smaller geographically, and these rivalries are really good. I. I think that the South Dakota-South Dakota State rivalry in particular now has taken uh, another step uh, because of these last couple of days. And it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, I remember covering uh, NCC basketball back in the early 90s when I was at St. Cloud State. Yeah. Now, of course, St. Cloud is not in, the, in this league, but you know, I've, I've been with this league at least following it from that far back so i've got some perspective on it and where it has come and where it should go where i think it's going to continue to go it's just great and you know there are so many tournaments that are major tournaments i've covered the big 10 tournament on the women's side the 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 big 10 women's championship in chicago and they would love to have the kind of attendance that the summit league had for their women's championship or their women's tournament period uh it, it, it rivals so many tournaments across the country is probably better than most. So it's it's just great to see where this is coming. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch it continue to grow in the future. Yeah, and the numbers absolutely support that. Clay Madvick, ESPN, the man who called both Summit League championship games. Clay, what's your favorite Summit League memory? Uh, yeah, you know, I, my first tournament was 2012. Yeah. And, you know, Scott Nagy was still back. Um, coaching the Jacks at that time, obviously, and that was the first year that South Dakota State uh, went dancing. And because my first job in broadcasting, at least as a play-by-play announcer, was at St. Cloud State, uh, doing their radio play-by-play for basketball and, and uh, football and hockey and some stuff at WJON in St. Cloud. And you know, so I and Scott Nagy was at South Dakota State at that time, back in the early '90s. And I, you know, I, it was just kind of neat to see them dancing around on the floor and the crowd coming out of the stands and the celebration at Old Sioux Falls Arena there. And, you know, and I, I kind of really felt, you know, wow, this thing has come full circle. Not, not just for me, you know, in my career and seeing where this has come in my career to be here next to the court in a situation like this, but to see how the program at South Dakota State and now what is the Summit League 
where this has come. And it, it was just it was a really neat moment for me personally in 2012. I remember that tournament. That was the last Summit League tournament that I've been to. The 2012 one, Jill Young hitting a free throw on the women's side to put them over UMKC 78-77 to in that title game. And again, you look at where that program has come even since then on the women's side, plus yeah. the men's side. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. They've elevated even past that to being that kind of a power. Clay Matvick here uh, from ESPN. Uh, Clay, you're off to a couple of other assignments too, but uh, the Sioux Falls tournament, like you've said, one of the premier ones in the area, and, and that stadium is unbelievable too, the Denny Sanford Premier Center. Yeah, no, I, it is great. It's a great venue. Uh, the people in management there are doing a terrific job. I got to speak with some of those folks um, over the weekend, and I'm actually going to be back there in a couple of weeks to do the NCAA Hockey Regional there. The West Regional is there this year. Now, it's going to be an interesting situation. It's a little ticklish right now from uh, you know uh, a projected attendance standpoint because North Dakota is the host site, uh, or is the host institution, I should say, for that regional, which is going to be played in Sioux Falls. And right now, uh, North Dakota's on the bubble, and, and if the tournament started right now, they wouldn't be in. Uh, they've got some games to play in the NCHC tournament, and they, they play Omaha, who's, as it happens, ahead of them in the pairwise rankings. So they've got an opportunity to still get in, but you know they, I, the people in Sioux Falls are a little worried right now from an attendance standpoint yeah. that if North Dakota doesn't get in, that there'll be some empty seats. So we'll see what happens. But I'm looking forward to going back there and seeing it uh, transform from a great basketball arena into a hockey arena. Yeah, the Sioux Falls Sports Authority has has just done such a tremendous job over the last several years uh, of making this a destination site, too. Real quick, Clay, before we let you get out yeah. of here, uh, I know most all, everybody in the press listening to this is going to understand where we're going with this. I don't okay. know about the fans, though. I, I'm not sure how many fans know of – one of the institutions of the Summit League tournament, those of us roaming around with the creds over the over the last decade at the Falls, World B, World B Auto, the legend. Give me a good world, world story. B. Oh, where do you start? Um, <laughs> it's, it, or finish for that is, matter. World B is one of the chapters in the book I will never write. Um, but uh, World B is <laughs> is is the unofficial mascot of the Summit League. And he's the unofficial mascot of several college sports programs yes. and leagues. He is the world's guest. Um, I, I love World <laughs> Beato. He is at the Summit League he's every year. That's where I've met him. But I've also seen him at Troy football games. I have seen him at Duke football games. I have run into him um, and people who know him at Texas Tech, uh, at Oral Roberts University, he is connected to so many teams and coaches and sports. He is just the world's biggest super fan, and he absolutely loves the Summit League. He went to Oral Roberts as a tennis player back in the day and was pretty good, um, as he would tell you some pounds ago, <laughs> and was a part of a yep. nationally ranked men's tennis program at Oral Roberts yep. back in his younger days and that's where um his connection to oral roberts comes from and, and his connection therefore to the summit league but he's there every year and at first i didn't know how to take world b i mean this guy with this southern accent he's very 
very hospitable and he loves to talk and he's from Boone, North Carolina, yep. and he'll tell you everything about everything and he's got an opinion just about on everything. Yep. And he knows where all the good restaurants are and he knows where all the fun places to go after the game are. He knows which side World B. Otto. He knows which side of the ice cream tub to scrape yeah. from for the the optimal temperature too. I mean, he's got yeah. all this stuff down to a science at the tournament, and it's it's a ten years science in the making. Clay World yeah. B is a legend. This is world's world. We're just living in it, my friend. That is absolutely right. As, <laughs> as soon as the Summit League tournament was over, he was on his way to Vegas um, to to hook up with the WAC tournament. Okay. Um, so I mean, that's where he's that's where he is as we speak. He's in Vegas. He's on to the next thing. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's a terrific cat. I'll tell you, he's, he's got his own business, yep. um, and it affords him the, the luxury of being able to, uh, live this life, <laughs> this, this fantasy life that he's got. Um, you know, he's, he's got a great, uh, business selling game worn uniforms yep. online. You got to check it out. And the uh, World Beato is a treasure, not just to the Summit League, but the college sports at large. The nation. The, he's a the national nation. treasure. Clay he Matvick, really ESPN. Hey, thanks for doing this. Appreciate the time, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on uh, uh, on a couple of more tournaments here during the madness. It's not just basketball. It's everything right now, but we'll be seeing you around on ESPN. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Clay. All right, we'll be back with Summit League Commissioner Tom Dupel here in a moment on the Summit League podcast. In its fourth decade, the Summit League continues its ascent through excellence in the classroom and success in the field of play. In cities big and small, at public and private universities, students across league institutions reach for the Summit. From academic All-Americans to NCAA champions and nationally ranked teams, Summit League student-athletes achieve the pinnacle of success. The Summit League, where tomorrow's leaders reach the summit today. Will your team reach the summit this season? The Summit League offers 19 sport championships, and you can get schedules, fan information, live stats, streaming, and more in one location at thesummitleague.org forward slash championships. Need the latest updates? Follow each championship as it plays out on social media via Twitter at Summit Champs. And now, back to Matt Pocket on the Summit League Podcast. All right, our final guest of the first season of the Summit League Podcast. It's Summit League Commissioner, the boss, Tom Duple. Tom, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm doing great. Thank you. Tom, first off, attendance at the Summit League Tournament this year, setting new records, 11,114 fans in attendance for the men's game, a new record, 8,704 fans for the women's game, a new record, and the top in the nation as we speak, 27,054 total women's tournament attendance is number two all time, and that was with a blizzard shutting the highways down for a while. How happy are you with this year's attendance? Well, we're really pleased. You know, what what was interesting on, uh, I guess it was Sun, or Monday night, they announced that the uh, at about 6.30 in the evening, they announced that both the interstates, uh, 29 and 90, were shut down. They announced it right, you know, oh, I'd say 10 minutes into the game or so. Uh, no one got up. More people were still coming in. <laughs> so 
it was uh, it was amazing. And of course, you know, we had our number one and two seeds, and they were both local, so that that added uh, to our great attendance numbers for sure. Tom, claim advocate from ESPN, and I've seen others say this too. They called Title Tuesday the biggest day in the history of South Dakota sports. Do you agree with him on that? Well, that's what all the local media were saying, um, but it had, you know, it's definitely got to be right up in there as uh, some of the top. I mean, anytime you have, you know, your women's uh, and men's programs from both uh, South Dakota State and University of South Dakota playing on national TV at the Division One level, uh, that that's pretty high. South Dakota and South Dakota State with the top two teams on the men's and women's side is always going to draw well. Big local rivals, not that far from each other. Two rabid fan bases. But this tournament has a really good atmosphere, Tom, that's drawn fans for teams even outside of the immediate area. What do you think makes this tournament so so special like that? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. Uh, number one, it's a combined tournament. Uh, you know, you have your women's playing in the afternoon and your men in the evening. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Division One basketball, men or women, you get to see, you know, your teams play in the afternoon and then come back uh, in the evening for the for the men. That adds a lot. You know, you have your, your bands there playing for both men and women. Your cheerleaders are there, both men and women. It just creates a good atmosphere. That's first. Second, we're playing in a phenomenal uh, facility in the Premier Center. I mean, it's got all the amenities uh, that any uh, arena in the country has. It has the suite levels. It has, you know, excellent uh, premium seating areas, uh, you know, the concessions, the, uh, the bar areas. Everything is first class. Some other conference tournaments struggle, though, to, to draw anywhere near these numbers. What's the special ingredient in the formula for the Summit? Well, I think there's an interest in basketball in the Sioux Falls community uh, that, that's really taken off. And then, of course, when we started this thing 10 years ago, uh, you know, those teams have gotten better. You know, both South Dakota and South Dakota State uh, have improved. But you look at what we happened last year in the, in the uh, women's. You know, our number one and two seeds got to the final and they were Western Illinois and IUPUI, and we still had thousands of fans there in the women's side that came out and watched it. One decade, like you said, a decade at the falls in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Let's hop back in time, Tom. When the tournament came to Sioux Falls for the first time, and it had spent a few years at a time at a few different sites before then, what was the expectation when he went to Sioux Falls? Was this something that you looked at and said from day one, we're home now, or was it trying a few different things again? Um, I really felt from day one when we made the decision to go there, uh, you know, they had this can-do attitude when we went on the site visit a number of years before it came there. Uh, they were going to address any issue. They wanted us. They were going to make sure it was going to be supported. Uh, they had the corporate sponsors already lined up. It was going to be very successful, they felt, from the beginning, and so did I. Uh, I remember we went into uh, the uh, Sioux Falls Arena. Uh, we promised them we're going to bring them some great Division One basketball. And obviously, over that decade, we have we've seen some fantastic, uh, you know, student athletes come through there. Um, and I also remember a young um, 
uh, sports uh, reporter on the radio uh, broadcasting <laughs> from that very first uh, uh, game at the Sioux Falls Arena as well. Yeah, you and I hanging out up in the crow's nest, and uh, it, it sat 6,000 for basketball. And I remember because I did the tournaments in, it was 10, 11, and 12. So I think years two, three, and four. And I could not believe how packed this place was for almost every game. I mean, even even for games from way outside the region, because it was a huge conference at that point, you would still draw 3,000 fans with the highways shut down. I mean, it was it was that kind of atmosphere. And then when, when SDSU... Uh, or even NDSU would make it far in that tournament. Boy, that building filled up, and it was rowdy in there. It sure was. You know, that first year in '09, we drew 34,000, and yeah. and uh, here we are 10 years later, and we're drawing over 60,000. That, that's how popular uh, it, it has become. Yeah, how's it stacked up with the expectations that you originally had? Again, kind of going back to day one, here's what we want now comparing that with what you've gotten? Well, it's exceeded our expectations. Uh, yeah, I had no idea they, they'd be building a brand-new uh, you know, arena that's second to none uh, in the Premier Center when we first started talking to them, you know, probably in 2007. Uh, so that's been very, very positive. And, of course, uh, you know, the fan base has really increased. You know, we were the first live broadcast of a sporting event from the state of South Dakota when we came there in 2009 uh, by getting our games on ESPN. And now every game is regionally broadcast and nationally broadcast on ESPN3. So I think that's really helped us as well. Yeah, I remember there seemed to be an issue over Sioux Falls Arena was an old barn, and and everybody loved it, but they were all kind of looking for a new stadium too, and they get the Denny Sanford Premier Center, which is an unbelievable facility that I still haven't seen yet, but watching it on TV, I got to get there. Tom, I remember covering the Summit League in 2009 in particular, Oakland, Centenary, Southern Utah, North Dakota State, UMKC, just as geographic points on a map, I, I think at that point it was the biggest conference in Division One athletics. I know the WCHA is now in, in Division One hockey because you've got two teams in Alaska and a team in Alabama, Huntsville. I mean, that right there will get it done for you. Over the last few years, though, adding Denver, Omaha, USD, UND on the way, we'll get to them in a minute, consolidating in this region. How has the league managed to focus on this area in the last few years, and how much does the tournament have to do with that? Well, I I think one of the things that we wanted to do is solidify some of our membership issues. Uh, Obviously, we were spread out, uh, as you had mentioned, and getting those uh, Dakotas in line and finally getting all four of them I think has been a key. And then also Omaha, you know, within two and a half hours of, of Sioux Falls was was also a good catch for us, but uh, Denver has been fantastic. They brought us a lot of great publicity. Uh, that was key. Getting Oral Roberts back was was also key. Uh, so we've solidified our membership, and um, that's that's really helped. And of course, a lot of that is is easy access to the tournament. Um, so that that's been positive for us. Conference realignment is one of those things that's always on everybody's mind, 
whether or not anybody's actually doing anything. Uh, what does a major product like the tournament in Sioux Falls do for conference stability and for possible future growth? Well, we're one of the, if not the only, we're one of the uh, one or two in the mid-majors that uh, make a profit on the tournament, and we give that back to our members. And uh, that's looked at, obviously, very positive for new members that want to come in. And uh, so that's been a part that's really helped us. They see that, wow, this is this is something we'd like to be a part of um, in the membership aspect. So uh, it, it's really helped us. But, you know, membership, uh, and it's hard in athletics, and you followed it uh, pretty good. It's hard to have that one word called patience. Yes. And especially in membership, and, and we've had that. Um, sure, we would have loved to have uh, – North Dakota in when we brought in South Dakota, you know, five years ago or so, but it didn't happen, but we were still patient. We followed up and we stayed in touch and, and it's going to happen. Um, when, uh, or Roberts, uh, went into the Southland, I'm very familiar with that, uh, league has spent nine years in it. Uh, I sort of knew that, boy, if we just have patience, stay in touch and, uh, we still maintained their soccer program when they left yep. men's soccer, and um, you know it ended up they they came back. Um, if we just have patience, uh, getting Denver in, um, you know they were looking to uh, get more more. They were in a football in the Sun Belt, and uh, they were looking for a, more of a better fit, and we felt that that was that was going to happen. So patience is a key. Um, uh, folks don't like to hear that because they, they want to know, geez, name me five schools that are coming in or who you're looking right, at right. and so forth. And, and uh, you know, the blogs and everybody knows who should be coming in or what we should do. And, uh, oh, you're just crawfishing, Dupo. You know, I, don't, <laughs> I spent tw- and I spent 20 years in Louisiana, so I can do that crawfishing yeah. pretty good. You but, know a thing or two about but, it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I, there's been a game plan. Um, and and we stuck with that. We knew we we'd uh, be a little susceptible on on the east side when we went up in the Dakotas, and and uh, you know we knew that that was an issue. But uh, we we thought for the future of the league that that's definitely uh, what needed to be done. What's your general approach to future league expansion? Is there uh, I guess anything coming down the line, or do you feel pretty happy with where things are right now? Well, that's one of the interesting uh, questions that we met with our uh, ads and and uh, uh, senior women's administrators, and we sat down as a group and said, "Okay, look, we've had some movement. We just lost IUPUI on the east and uh, so forth, uh, but we do have UND coming in." And we all looked around and said, "Wait a minute, we're, what we need to do is celebrate who we are. Uh, we had eight this year, and and uh, we had a pretty good year." We had great competitions in all of our sports. We've got spring sports coming up. We'll be very competitive. Um, we're happy. We're good. And next year we bring in nine. Um, you know, ideally, from a strictly scheduling standpoint, ten is great. Right. Uh, but can we make it work by being creative with schedules? Sure. And that's the aspect that, you know, 
we didn't want to get numbers just to get numbers. We want to get the right fit. Those that want to be a part with us, those that will see us to the future. So if it's at nine, great. If it's at 10, great again. Um, you know, those are some of the things that we're not in any hurry right now to jump up and down and try to, you know, find number 10 or find number nine out there. Uh, it, it's always been, let's be a little patient. Let's try to be as good as we can with what we have first, and then let's look down the road and see what see what we have. Um, ideally, I think we're going to see some some movement in our league here in the future in the next year or so. Um, but I, I think we're we're not in any hurry to you know bring in people just just to say oh we're going to be at ten or twelve. North Dakota entering the league next year, as you mentioned, Tom Duple, the Summit League Commissioner. The obvious angle again there consolidating the region within the Dakotas with Omaha in there too and kind of in that real immediate area more geographic stability what else makes them a good ad for the conference well they're a very good athletic program and they're great at, uh, academic as well uh, just a good fit you know uh, they've been very competitive in men's women's basketball in uh, the over the course of their time in the big sky, along with all their other sports. And uh, I think the volleyball is going to be very competitive as well. So I, I think uh, overall you're going to have the four Dakotas, obviously extremely competitive. Um, you know, we got a top 40 baseball program uh, at, at Oral Roberts. Uh, Denver is outstanding, you know, in men's soccer. They went to the College Cup, uh, not this past year, but the year before. Omaha it was in the top 25 early in the year in the men's soccer program. So I, I think we're, we're getting better in a lot of sports that, uh, uh, you know, create the, the whole conference and the whole image of the league. Tom Tupel, Summit League Commissioner, what's the impact that a brand like the Summit League Tournament, uh, what has that, how has that impacted other sports across the league? Well, I think it's it's very positive. You know, it gets our, uh, like you said, our brand out there. Uh, anytime you can, you know, sell merchandise with Summit League on it and folks are, are buying it, it is positive. Uh, our student-athletes take a lot of pride in, you know, what we're trying to do. Um, you, you know, it just carries on into other sports. Uh, you know, obviously we have to do a better job of our first-round uh, chances in the NCAA tournament and in all of our team sports. Uh, ultimately, um, that's how you're judged on among your peers and the outside. So winning that first round in, in volleyball, men's soccer, women's soccer, men's and women's uh, basketball, baseball, and uh, softball, you know, are critical for us. And uh, we want to win some of those games, and, and we've just got to be more consistent at it. And you've got one super dominant team right now in SDSU's women's team in particular, 8 out of 10 in Sioux Falls. I mean, not even counting the men there who have won three straight. How does that elevate a conference over time, having uh, that one big power at the top? Well, obviously it gets you great publicity. Um, you know, this morning uh, – you know, we're, we're ranked in the top 27. There are 27 RPI. Um, you know, it'll be anxious to see all the seeds that, that come out. I feel confident that they're going to get a great seed. Um, but, you know, they've beaten some really nationally ranked teams. So you, uh, and it's really carried 
say like Western Illinois. I mean, they've they've stepped up their game. They won the league last year in women's basketball, um, but they've raised the bar at South Dakota State, and it's raised everybody else as well. Back in the old building, Tom Dupel, you always like to sit in that crow's nest, that elevated position behind the baseline. That's where we met way back in the day at Sioux Falls Arena. What's your preferred seating location at the Denny Sanford Premier Center? Up high. <laughs> <laughs> Still. And I, and I tell you why I like to sit up high like that, because I get to observe. Uh, I want to make sure I have access to observe both coaching uh, on both benches. Uh, I got a pretty good idea of the flow of the game. I can observe to, uh, if the officials are, you know, in their right positioning uh, to make the right calls. Uh, you, you get a good handle on that. Uh, the higher up you are, when when you're lower and you get you know big bodies in front of you, you can't really see through that uh, uh, the play. And um, I think it's a positive the higher, and that's where they do all the filming anyway. Up yeah. Uh, to observe, and so from my perspective, I'm able to catch some things from you know an event management standpoint. You can see what the cheer and dance and mascots are doing right away. Um, it's so positive for me, I prefer, you know, to sit up high. I I remember doing a game. I was 19. I'd just been on a plane for the first time in my life going out to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'd pretty much never left Michigan before. And I'm up there doing, uh, doing a quarterfinal game. And, uh, and, and you introduced yourself and we chatted for a couple of minutes before the game. And I remember at halftime, you, you said something to, to the effect of, wow, you know, I really like listening to you. And here I am. I'm like, holy cow, you know, this is, wow, thank you, sir. You know, and, and I remember going down and seeing Dave Brower after the game. And he was like, so you met Tom up there, right? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I figured I, I figured you were you were some kind of local big shot or something. And, and I'm like, yeah, so, so what does he do here? And he looks at me, Dave does, and he goes, that's my boss. That's the commissioner. <laughs> I'm like, really? You don't say. Uh, <laughs> that was almost ten years ago, Tom. That's one of my. That's still one of my favorite Sioux Falls memories, though. Going back and, and being up in that crow's nest, seeing so many tremendous games up there, and uh, and you've had a big impact on on my career too. I mean, you you helped get me a job, so uh, I got to thank you for that, Tom. What are a couple of your favorite Sioux Falls memories now that now that you've got one of mine? Well, I remember it uh, clearly, uh, and what impressed me, uh, you were working on the student radio, if I recall, yep. and and uh, you were calling the game with such passion, and, uh, you know, that's the difference uh, for me when I see someone, you know, that's passionate about what they're doing, whether it's, you know, the radio broadcast, which you were doing, or someone else in sports information or event management or anything, you know, it's the passion that you have, um, you know, and what you take pride in doing, uh, that separates you. And, and uh, uh, I recall that moment like it was yesterday um, and where I was sitting and where, where, where yep. you were calling the game up there uh, working next. You were sitting next to the Dactronics board, yep. board too, yep. as well. 
So, but uh, I think we've had some great, great highlights, and um, you know, throughout there, we saw some some fantastic uh, athletes uh, over time. And you know, we we had uh, Nate uh, Nate Walters from South Dakota State, Ben Woodside at the. Um, oh, what a North player Dakota he State was! Yeah, yeah, made that last uh, second shot. You know, Keith Benson was a great player from Oakland, yep. and uh, it, it's just been some fantastic shots. I remember one year we had this triple overtime game in uh, yep. Fort Wayne and and uh, uh, Western Illinois, and, yep. you know, in women's basketball, and it, and it was just like one knockout punch after another, and they both scored over a hundred points, yeah. and uh, that that was one of my all-time great games to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I loved about the tournament, too, being out there in Sioux Falls. You never knew what you were going to get on any given day. You knew there was that chance that something special was going to come out there on that court. And oftentimes we we get it. I mean, we get some incredible stuff. Even here in this tournament where one and two go all the way through, I mean, boy, they combined to, to create an incredible atmosphere on the final day. I mean, that's again, part of the beauty of this, of this tournament. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to have a body of work to get to that number one and two seed. And, um, everyone's well, Oh, it's all Dakota oriented. You know what? They earned the number one and two seed most years uh, lately. And, uh, that's, that's important to recognize that Tom Dupel summit league commissioner, before we let you get out of here, what's the next big step for the evolution of the Summit League and the Summit League Basketball Championships? Well, we keep tweaking it. Um, I think this year we had that outside bracket. I got the the idea from the Final Four, uh, Mindy, uh, and I uh, sort of said, wow, this would be great to to have that at the basketball. And sure enough, we had this big display out in front of the uh, Premier Center, and uh, th- that was re- we got a lot of comments of that. Obviously, your podcast has been a, a plus for us, you know, creating that interest. Um, this year's uh, Summit League app was fantastic. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. we had over twenty. Yeah, we had over twenty four hundred folks download that uh, uh, tournament app. So we're steadily trying to tweak what we're trying to do. Um, this year, we moved our award ceremonies uh, back towards the uh, uh, scores table. It seemed to work out better for us. And um, you know, after ten years, we're 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 still trying to get better and better at uh, every little thing we're doing. But uh, I can assure you, the future for the league is extremely bright. And four people that I got to highlight, too, who have been instrumental in, in putting together this podcast but have done tremendous work for the league. David Brower, Assistant Commissioner for Communications, who's been around the league for a long time. Same with Greg Meddy, the Director of Communications. And the two communications assistants with the league, Brian Campbell and Kaylee Ryan, they've handled a lot of the social media stuff at the conference, and that stuff has been tremendous i mean that that has driven a lot of interest in this uh in this league and in this tournament and and they've been a huge part in the incredible show that it was this year Uh, there's no doubt they're doing a fantastic job and that's a key for us is just to get the word out uh you know usa today came out and said well we're the March's best-kept secret. I think the word's getting out. We're, yes. we're not, no longer the best-kept secret, that's for sure. Tom Duple, Summit League Commissioner. Hey, thanks for coming on. It's always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate all you're doing for us. 
We will be back to wrap the show here in a moment. You're listening to the Summit League Podcast. In its fourth decade, the Summit League continues its ascent through excellence in the classroom and success in the field of play. In cities big and small, at public and private universities, students across league institutions reach for the Summit. From academic All-Americans to NCAA champions and nationally ranked teams, Summit League student-athletes achieve the pinnacle of success. The Summit League, where tomorrow's leaders reach the summit today. Get the latest news on all 19 Summit League sports at thesummitleague.org. Watch championships, access the Leeds ESPN3 events, view up-to-date standing statistics and more, all at the home for Summit League athletics. Follow the league's social media pages on Twitter, at the Summit League, and on Facebook and Instagram, at forward slash the Summit League. Now, let's get back to Matt Pocket and the Summit League podcast. All right, that's it for the final time this year. Episode 5 of the Summit League podcast. The final episode of Season 1 is in the bag. We celebrated a decade at the Falls. We look forward to postseason competition now and some lengthy tournament runs, let's hope, and maybe even, maybe even, renewal of the show for a second season. Hey, a couple of things I wanted to highlight Everybody, before we get out of here, if you'll bear with me for a couple of more minutes. First off, a tremendous job done by everybody with the Summit League and the crews at Midco Sports Network and ESPN and by you, the fans, too. Kelly Stewart and Brad Newitt, who have both been on the show, and their entire crews out there, a lot of people with Midco Sports Network, were fantastic. That was my ticket to the tournament. I couldn't make it out there for this season's Summit League tournament, so my ticket to the show was watching them on Midco Sports Network, and that was terrific stuff. Really outstanding work by all of them. Clay Madfick and the rest of the team at ESPN were outstanding too for the championship games. A-plus stuff. The presentation highlighted everything for the nation. Everything that you, the fans, the programs, and the league itself have all built together in that last decade. It was a glorious week for basketball in South Dakota. Now, as good as the glory is, folks, there's also the flip side of going for the gold, and that's when you see what happens when somebody falls short of that goal. And while it's certainly about the glory for the winners, South Dakota State, it's also about the heartbreak this time of year, and and they go hand in hand. They really do. You know, for everybody who achieves that goal, that means somebody else isn't, and that's tough to watch. Matt Mooney of South Dakota in particular, that's a guy who really exemplified the heartbreak of this time of year. Man, his his post-game interview in Sioux Falls was absolutely gut-wrenching. And, and I'm really happy for South Dakota State's teams, but I'm just as crushed and just as devastated for the Coyotes. I think anybody who watched him post-game in Sioux Falls just wanted to give that guy a hug. So next time you run into Matt Mooney or any members of the South Dakota Coyotes men's and women's basketball teams, Hey, show them some love. Say thanks for for a great season. Say thanks for a great tournament run because they they played their hearts out over there. Players like that, whichever side that you're cheering for, they're what make college basketball as great as it is. They make it this product that we all love so much, and it was devastating to watch them so devastated. Again, as happy as I am for, for SDSU, I was devastated watching them when they get so close to the goal themselves uh, and and didn't quite hit it. That was really tough to see. And uh, and those are all players at South Dakota and at all of the other programs 
who uh, who certainly earned some love for their performances in the tournament. Now, the Jackrabbits, though, are moving on to the NCAA tournament. Men's and women's guests Ellie Thompson and Skylar Flatten. Past guests Macy Miller and Mike Dom. Go get them. We'll be watching you. A couple of shout-outs again to some people at the league who have done a lot of really, really first-rate work this season. Brian Campbell and Kaylee Ryan, they have been the social media whizzes for the Summit League this season, and those two are first-rate, top-shelf. All the promotion that's gone on around the podcast, all the social media stuff that you've seen, all the graphics, everything, the tweets, the Facebook, the Instagram, you name it, that's been those two. Two super talented individuals who have taken the Summit social media game to another level. Summit social media has been a lot of fun to watch this season, and that's been all them. Those two are an incredible team, and they have been terrific additions to the league. David Brower and Greg Meddy, two guys that I have known for a long time. They handle the communications department for the league. They've been there, again, for a while and they've handled a lot of the coordination between schools and myself for the first season of this show. Two top-rate individuals who have been rock-solid behind the scenes for this league for years, and they were a big reason this conference is as much fun as it is to follow. Major props, too, to all of the league sports information directors for working us into their schedules and to the student athletes and coaches, because really, this show is you. It's not me. It's you. Thank you for giving us the time to showcase what the men and women of the Summit League do uh, here on this podcast. I'm very thankful to all of you for for giving us your time here this season. And again, I'm looking forward to maybe a second season of this coming up. Follow the league at the Summit League and at Summit Hoops on Twitter. I'm on there too, at Corner Pocket 422. And thank you, the fans, for making this show the success that it's been. It's been a lot of fun for me to do this, but it doesn't mean anything. I can have all the fun I want. This doesn't mean anything if nobody likes it and nobody listens uh, I'm super grateful to everybody who's clicked, liked, shared, everybody who's taken the time to enjoy this podcast. Thank you all so much for making it the big success that it's been. As we wrap season number one, episode five of the Summit League podcast, hope to see you all back here next year. Let's enjoy some postseason basketball. South Dakota State in the men's and women's NCAA tournament. South Dakota, their men's and women's teams in postseason competition. Western Illinois in the postseason two. We'll be following along. Remember, follow at thesummitleague.org slash championships for all of your postseason information for spring sports underway now too. This has been season one of the Summit League podcast. Join us every two weeks for a new episode of the Summit League podcast at thesummitleague.org. Follow the league all season long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Summit League. And follow Matt on Twitter and Facebook at CornerPocket422.